1: Hey, hey! it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grillin' JR with the voice of wrestling. Hall of Famer, Mr. Jim Ross. JR, how
0: are you, man? I'm good, Connie. Really good. Feeling good. I had a long travel day today as we record this on Thursday. Uh, We thought we were going to do it in the the afternoon, and uh, it's after 6 o'clock here now because thanks to American Airlines, I had another Thursday uh, travel day from hell. Last week, it took me over 10 hours to get home from Boston. Today is taking me nine hours to get home from Philadelphia. I'll be glad we got here in the Midwest somewhere and simple time zone. We're will be so goddamn uh, abrasive, but, uh, travel is bad, man. The, that's the only, the only negative part of this, this new venture with AEW is travel and it's not really travel to get there. It's travel to get home. So but it's, it's all good. I had a, had a good week. And, uh, did you, did you watch our show uh, Wednesday night?
1: I did. I didn't miss it. And, uh, I do want to tag in on your travel situation. I heard, a. Uh... A mutual friend of ours uh, who's in the wrestling business say once you're not paying me for what i'm going to do on the show you're paying me to leave my house and yeah. <laughs> uh i feel like that's probably yeah everybody in that industry has such a great time but the travel is what wears you down but i didn't have any travel regarding dynamite this week i threw uh, my own version of a nitro party in my home theater downstairs invited a bunch of friends over and we made it a wednesday night wrestling night and we had a big time. It was uh, a lot of folks who came over. It was their first time seeing AEW, and I feel like uh, there's a lot new, uh, a lot of new Darby Allen fans. And hey, I appreciate the shout out. That's the first time I've heard my name on TNT. I appreciate that. And you even managed to plug our Zany show, you
0: Sly Devils. Yeah, uh, you know, I, and I and I hears, you know one of the things you and I are chatting about before we start recording. Uh, there's some website. It might be in the UK Sports Keeper or something like that. I don't know what it is. Looking for clicks, looking to make a living. I get it. But, man, they uh, pissed me off from the standpoint of inferring that I i have no passion, that I'm phoning it in, in essence, uh, you know, uh, just to, just walk, going through the motions that I shouldn't be on the air. And I think his quote was, I saw, because all these goddamn layovers, you have plenty of time to read the crap. And I did. I succumbed to it. And he said, JR, it's time to hang up your black hat. So uh, I, I don't agree with that, but it's... It shows you how misguided some fans are. They, they, they say they love wrestling, but those of us that have dedicated our lives to the business, get no breaks. And and a lot of this over, I called, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of jungle boy, big time. I think he's going to be a big star for us. Uh, he's a great kid, very athletic. Uh, and I call it, I've been calling jungle boy, Jack Perry since day one. Right. That's. It's like I call Steve Austin the Texas rattlesnake. Right. Or the Rock, the Brahma, Brahma Bull, the great one, or whatever. They're just nicknames that, I, I, that come to my head, and sometimes they stick and sometimes they don't. But for God's sakes, Conrad, is it, a, is it an, an, an impeachable offense to say Jungle Boy Jack Perry? Well, they're changing the name. I found it to be disrespectful. Of course, then somebody on Twitter tags in Tony Khan as if Tony Khan is going to come to me and say, hey, JR, can you not call him Jungle Boy Jack Perry? Tony's going to let me do my, use my judgment. So uh, it's not, and the guy says, well, you're, you're not respecting Jack. Are you shitting me? Come on, man. So I don't know who this guy is. Don't care. Wishing well, wishing good health, all that good stuff. But man, you need to pull your head out of your ass and understand the wrestling business a little bit. And sometimes doing a lot of television, Conrad, just like right here, we're doing this. We're not doing this over. We're doing it one time. Sometimes you misspeak. And sometimes you get ahead of yourself and you got three guys out there and a a crazy crowd. Boy, Philadelphia is awesome. Unbelievable. So, uh, i I, 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 I succumbed, as I mentioned, to this uh, these criticisms, and I know better. I know better, and I didn't take a go on a tirade or a rant on, on social media. So that's why I'm expressing myself here on our show, where I can do where I can do whatever you and I want us to do. So, uh, But it's, it's fancy to think about that. We see it. We read it. Especially when you put our, hand, our Twitter handle in there, at JRSBBQ, you know I'm going to see it at some point. And I think that's what they want attention So for you attention starved little bastards out there that want to knock my work, have at it. I don't care. All I'm going to do is the best job I can. And quite frankly, and I know this is going to sound very, very poor of me. I think our three man team is evolving into one of the better teams in in the business period. That's what I think But I'm biased. Well,
1: I got to tell you, I love when we start the show with a red ass JR. And, uh, if you've got a case of the red ass, maybe you should go to Jim Ross because I feel like whoever wrote that comment is uh, going to love this new shirt from Jim Ross. It's you can kiss my dimpled Oklahoma ass. It's available for you right now at Jim Ross shirts.com. That's Jim Ross shirts.com. Lots of other funny stuff in there. Cash and creative thimble nuts. Uh, you got to go hey. see it.
0: This guy, that, this guy is, is, is criticizing me or this group, whatever it is, company website, uh, they're the epitome of thimble nuts. Their little balls would not fit into a thimble and they hide behind social media and their little pimply face. I'm, I'm, I'm embellishing now. I'm going off on it here, uh, to just to be a, a, a piece of crap. And, uh, it's not fair to anybody that the, especially guys that, that profess that they love the wrestling business. How could you love the wrestling business and die on the hill of jungle? Jack Perry, he's, he's jungle boy. He's jungle boy. God damn it. You can't, he's jungle boy. God damn it. Don't be disrespectful. Jr. Now, do you think that guy would come to me? If he saw me on the street or an event and come up to me and introduce himself and say, Hey, I'm the one that's been writing that stuff about you. Of course not. You know why Conrad? Because their little balls would have plenty of room left over in a thimble.
1: Um, when we, when we get done today, I'm going to show you how to mute motherfuckers and then you won't get so hot about it.
0: Okay. Uh, well, you know, it's been a long day and I, we had a great show on Wednesday night, the Philadelphia crowd was, was it was just amazing. Hey, There's things- so much fun to work with and work for. And I thought the, the guys worked hard. Everybody's a booker, man. Everybody's a creative genius. Everybody's a booker. They got enough knowledge to be dangerous. And this is the most very sensitive time in our business where all the information flow on social media gives people the right in their view to profess to be somewhat experts. You're not. You're a fan. So two two things. You're not an expert. I'm an expert. You're not an expert. Conrad's an expert. So uh, I'd like to meet that guy someday just to have a chat with him to say, hey, look, what is your problem? Do you understand the big picture of how to broadcast wrestling? I'm giving. I'm trying to give Jungle Boy Jack even more personality. He's going to be a player, man. And so how long, what, what is he going to do when he's 35? Is he still going to be Jungle Boy or Jungle Man or Jungle or Jungle Boy Jack? I don't know what he's going to be. But right now, in my, my mind's eye, I'm giving you all I can because I wanted to get him over. And that's what we did Wednesday night. Our goal is to create new stars and to get these guys over. Just like last week with that Joey Janela match with Kenny, Kenny Omega that airs on the, on the dark show. Uh, on, on you the YouTube channel, they, they killed it, man. That was a pay-per-view uh, level match. And then somebody said, well, Jr., you call the match between Moxley, uh, and pack Kenny and, uh, hangman a main event. Yeah, I sure did. They're four of the highest paid guys in the company. They're four main event guys. And just because they didn't close the show doesn't mean they can't be considered as a main event. Not the main event. So maybe you should listen. Maybe you should listen. Get that adolescent earwax out of your ears and listen to what we're saying. Oh, Thank
1: you. Hey, before we get you off your soapbox,
0: do you have a strong <laughs> opinion about
1: millennials? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just rocking right with are, you. Damn
1: right. You know your this street. is this is so fun for me when when one of my friends is fired up like this and. It feels like this will be a great spot to, to plug Blue Chew, but we're not going to. But what we are going to talk about today <laughs> is Taboo Tuesday, 2004. But before we do, I do feel like we should touch on at least one piece of news that I know everybody is talking about this week. Unfortunately, our old friend, Mr. Eric Bischoff, made some headlines this week when it was uh, made public that he is no longer employed by World Wrestling Entertainment. When you saw that headline, you were probably... On your way to Philadelphia or in Philadelphia, what was your reaction?
0: Uh, I was not surprised. The only thing that I would consider being, being surprised by was the, uh, time frame. Uh, it was a certainly a, a direct, in my opinion, I may be wrong. I haven't talked to Eric. Uh, you know, you're, in your communication with him, obviously because you, you guys do a show. 83 weeks uh, on the draw. Monday, I think that's right. Uh, uh, so, and I, I'm a fan of the show. I like Eric. Eric and I have had our differences over the years, but that's, that's, that ship sailed a long time ago. Uh, this whole scenario is set up for a succession uh, process. Do you think that Bruce is safe? You think Bruce is a, like a got a job like a Supreme Court justice for life? Are you kidding? He don't think that. I guarantee you, he don't think that. He knows that his time will come. It's like football coaches. They get hired to be fired. And the guys in that position, like Bruce was in, is in now with uh, running SmackDown, can you imagine a few years ago, because I've been in these meetings, man. I've been with the, the old man when he's talked about Bruce and he's talked about Bischoff. And sometimes they weren't in glowing terms. just like he talked about me. I get it. So uh, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, but I am surprised uh, regarding the timeline. But for God's sakes, I didn't know that the Friday night Smackdown show was going to lose a million viewers. From week one to week two, you lose a million. I didn't, I didn't expect that. So, uh, the calamity there. And of course, Vince wants to keep Fox happy. I don't blame him. They got a lot of money and they got a lot of skilly games. So, uh, how, how is have you talked to Eric? Yes. How's he doing?
1: Uh, you know, I think he's probably a little shocked, but, uh, you know, Eric is a man's man in that Eric ain't going to sell it. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot this coming Monday on 83 weeks and get his full take and whatever statement he wants to put out there. But I think a lot of people were caught off guard, certainly with the timing. But, uh, if we know anything about Eric, it's that Eric knows how to find a way to land on his feet. And I'm yeah. pretty sure that's not going to change
0: here. No, I think he probably got a nice little package walking away. Vince will, Vince will take good care of you when he's kicking you out the door. He'll give you something to go home with. He'll put something in your, in your bag so you can, uh, to remember him former cash, former cash or some sort of payout. Uh, and, and, and he deserves that. But the, the way that this thing is set up, I knew when, when Eric got his gig and, and, uh, Heyman got his gig that this, is a whole departure from what Vince has, has ha- had in the past. Now I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Sometimes you got to reach, your deck and create a new structure, but the infrastructure there is, uh, uh, a little sketchy at best. Uh, it's the last guy you talk to sometimes there's a lot of mistrust, a lot of, uh, looking over your shoulder type situations, things that we don't have in AEW, thank God, at least not yet. And, uh, so I, 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 uh, I Eric, you're right. Eric will land on his feet. He'll be just fine. And, uh, you know, I, I got all the confidence world on that deal, but he was, he was a foil. He's the guy, he took the hit.
1: You and I That's even so- freestyled that. If you go back when we did an episode right after he was hired one of us freestyled that, Hey, do you think that maybe he was hired? So, you know, you could sort of keep, you know, stockholders who were concerned about uh, a weaker number or whatever. This is a recognizable name they could throw out, but also too, if they disappointed Fox and there was, they did take a nail and Fox was maybe wondering, did we make a bad decision? This gives a way for them to sort of give them a head with the idea being that if you if
0: you fire a notable name, then it looks like,
1: oh, they're making changes.
0: But yeah. Holy shit. Two weeks. Yeah. Vince is paying attention. He's going to be proactive. He's not going to let this thing get away from him. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I know, uh, I, I don't think that Fox Fox wanted a, a, Now I might be wrong on this Conrad, but I believe my, my belief is that Fox would have preferred to have Paul Heyman as their guy from the get go. And I think they were a little bit surprised that they got Eric instead of Heyman. Uh, because, and I'm surprised the Vince made that call, quite frankly, because what investment do you want to really protect? I think the new one, this guy, guy that's got put a billion plus in your pocket. And so having, uh, you know, uh, Heyman could interact with those guys very well too. But so would Eric, but it was a, who was going to get the gig, man was going to keep it as long as the ratings are. Okay. They had a phenomenal first week, nice ratings. Congratulations to WWE for that. And then they, the bottom fell out. But that's not totally shocking, but the bottom line was somebody took the fall. I didn't think Vince would put a bullet in Eric that quick, but, uh, all those guys are in those top positions that none of them are going to need to buy houses. They should be renting. That's what girl of Monsoon told somebody one time, some kid, some announcer named Charlie man or Charlie, something uh, Asian kid thought he was uh, Bob Costas and uh, uh Monsoon said, I got some advice for you, kid. What's that gorilla? And uh, a girl says, first of all, it's Mr. Monsoon to you <laughs> and that is you need to rent. You don't need to buy nothing here. So that's kind of what I feel. With these guys, the job description you have is not one that lends itself to uh, going on long searches for real estate. Something's going to give and look, let's be honest about it. Do you think that when Vince finally is not in the picture and God forbid that's anytime soon, I love Vince, I really do. We love hate. I get it. Uh, but when Vince is not around to, to, to steer the wagon, uh, there's going to be a lot of changes there. There are going to be a lot of famous, well-known names that are in behind the scenes in administration in TV production that will be their asses will be gone. Eric can always say I was the first one out the door.
1: Well, let's, uh, let's talk about why we're really here now that we've caught up and, uh, rebooked the territory and fixed all did, the world's problems. Did you like some, did you like AEW? Oh no, I thought it was a great show. I think episode two, I was in the crowd for episode one, which was tremendous. Episode two is the first time I got to watch at home. And I still think that's probably my favorite of the three. Uh, but I thought yesterday, yesterday, as we're doing this was, uh, was even better than the first show. I really dug it, but at the same time, I've been enjoying NXT as well. That Walter. Kushida match last week was outstanding yeah, Uh, and it was, it was cool to show some of my, uh, new to NXT wrestling friends yesterday, uh, Pete Dunn and, uh, Punishment Martinez with a former Punishment Martinez, Damian priest. He looks like a new person since we saw him in ring of honor. So man, Wednesdays are so fun for wrestling fans. Now. I I thought it was a a great night to be a fan.
0: Me too. Me too. I'm with you. I haven't caught up with, uh, NXT because I'm kind of busy when they're airing. Uh, but, uh, I know the product is solid. It's been good. I know that our ratings this week, uh, AEW ratings, taking of our, uh, we're good, uh, we, we won the ratings deal again. And, uh, 18 to 34 demo 18 to 49 year old demo right now is owned by AEW as far as the wrestling audience is concerned. And that's a very viable audience to, to want to capture, uh, quite frankly. And WWE's strongest demographic is 50 plus for, for NXT. So that tells you a story there. A- a- WWE is looked at as older, more mature. than the established brand. They're the big dog in the yard, all the good things you say. But AEW is the new kid on the block. We're new. It's exciting. It's fresh. And we're trying to feature a lot of young guys that are looking for their break the Joey Janellas of the world, the Darby Allens of the world, all these kids, uh, private party, new guys that are given the opportunity to become stars. And quite frankly, it's not about the booking now. It's not, I told these I told these guys to their face last night. So these dudes, the, right? The the booking got you to the dance. Now you got to create some music and start to dance your ass off. And they get it. They're young and they're defiant, and they rise to the. They like that kind of motivation. So I'm having a blast with these kids. I, I I just think they're. I'm proud of them. They're like you know little family members. Now it's just been there every week. It's such such a different deal than that you know, every four week deal, or this is a pay-per-view here and we're going to all out, we're going to all in, we're going to all something. And then three months later we'll do all something again. Now these guys are working every week. They're getting, their skills are getting better. We're getting to understand them better. We can help them improve. So it's a fun project to be involved in. But, uh, I'm a big believer. I saw something at Corey Grace tweeted to you about podcasting and, uh, you know, I'm glad that we're communicating and he made a good point. The point is. We should all be wrestling fans and like all of it. Why do you have to pick a side? What, what, what is What's the reason for that? Because let's promote our business. And, and as more, we do that Conrad, as you well know, man, you're a great businessman. It, it it adds on, it adds up, it accumulates. Uh, it's just a good thing for, to, to support the product and not be negative. And that's my point about my situation. Hey, I might not be the best. I might not be as good as I used to be. I don't know that. I, I think I am, but I'm probably not. I'm 67 years old. I get it. But I'm working my ass off. I'm really, really trying to, to deliver the goods here. But never say to me that my fucking effort was not good. <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell me I'm fucking calling something in because I'm not. And if you want to tell me that, have the balls, take them out of your little thimble, and, and, and send me a tweet. Uh, send me something, communicate directly instead of indirectly. So you look like you're a stud. You ain't a stud. You're a ball, thimble, little nuts, son of a bitch that doesn't understand what we do. So there's that. I don't want to get too pissed off because we got to talk about taboo Tuesday. I'm excited,
1: man. October 19th. So a couple days from now, it went down at the Bradley center in 2004. Of course that's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Only 3,500 fans in the building, a $215,000 gate. That's gotta be disappointing. Sucked. Yeah. It drew 174,000 pay-per-view buys, but I guess really the story here is this is the very first taboo Tuesday pay-per-view. We should first talk about Tuesday as an idea. The WWE decided to try this way back in December of 1991 in San Antonio, Texas. They had about 8,000 fans in attendance. So it drew well live, but the pay-per-view was sort of disappointing. So they tried again here and we should mention just to give a little context here, this is in an era where TNA is still doing weekly pay-per-views on Wednesday night. So when you guys are trying this, there has already been a precedent set that there is an appetite for weekday wrestling pay-per-views. Now, how big of an appetite? We're going to find out. And the answer is 174,000 buys. When when you first heard, hey, we're going to try a Tuesday pay-per-view, what was your reaction?
0: My reaction is the same as it always was, was with Vince's ideas. Let's try it. We're obligated to give it our best effort. He's paying us great money to do our jobs and the business that we love. We're obligated to do our best effort. Uh, there was a lot of ideas, Conrad, and you talked to you know, all these guys. Bruce knows. Uh, Bischoff has these stories now. Bruce has more of them because he was there longer. Uh, and myself, uh, 26 years, we've seen a lot of ideas come and go that didn't work, that we knew weren't going to work. So what do you do? Protest? Go on the Internet, create a website, bitch about it? I don't think so. You just do your job, man. You go out and do your job like all, like all citizens should do. If you're getting paid by somebody, you earn, you're taking their money, earn it. So... We thought that there's two, or three things. The whole thing has a bigger picture than just Taboo Tuesday and doing it on Tuesday. Number one, our our the uh, bull of the woods was, as Dusty would say, God bless him. He had a birthday last week. Uh, it would have been 73. Uh, that the the, uh, the 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 bottom line of this deal was that we had Monday Night Raw tomorrow night, tomorrow night, tomorrow night on pay-per-view. Hope you have episodic television. There's a need to watch episode one. Now, episode two is the one that you got to pay for. It's on Tuesday night. We thought that might work because Raw was the primary uh, promotional vehicle. It was our number one thing we had to promote with was Raw. Secondly, we were coming into the computer era, uh, the, leading into the social media age. We're in now the craziness of that, where everybody's an expert. And we felt like that, you know, doing this thing with the, where you, you have the, the poll where you can Announce the, you can do the booking, what stipulation you want, blah, blah, blah. So that was the forerunner of that deal. So it was a, there was a lot of agendas on this show, but the card, the bottom line of this whole deal was it wasn't, it, it was not a success because of Tuesday. It was a, it was not a success because we did not book what the audience wanted to see in the story. And
1: that's what's fascinating about this is the concept is a little bit, Like you're letting the fans be the booker where we're actually allowing fans to go to the WWE website and vote for who they want to see and and what the options are, and we'll talk about all that, but it is an interesting concept, especially, you know, trying it on a different day of the week. When you first heard that, Hey, we're not just going to book a traditional card. We're going to let the fans pick and we're going to do it online. You being old school, you probably had to assume. Well, we're going to work it right. I mean, we know what we're actually doing, right? Hey guys, are you looking for a great father's day gift idea? I know I was, and I found it a couple of years ago with paint your life with paint your life, you get a hand painted portrait created to fit almost any budget. And it's a great gift idea for your mom, your dad, or both. You see, paint your life transforms your photos into a one of a kind, beautiful hand painted portrait done by professional artists. You can upload a photo to create anything you can imagine. Maybe in a special location or a favorite pet. There's lots of options. You pick the artist, the medium, and you even get to work with the artist to make sure it's perfect. You get started in less than five minutes and you can get the portrait in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at paintyourlife.com and there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word ROSS to 87204. That's ROSS to 87204. Text ROSS to 87204. Paint Your Life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, no, it was straight. It was legit, as far as I know. I don't remember any skullduggery uh, on, the, uh, on that deal. There were, we, I asked about that, and there was somebody was telling me, I can't remember exactly the verbiage, but the company was very leery of rigging a voting. So I, as best I know, and somebody may be rolling their eyes right now because, oh, Jar, come on. I don't remember it being fixed.
1: Well, my point is, though, when you first hear we're going to do a, a voting concept, the old school wrestling promoter in you probably assumed, well, we're working it because we've got to know, cause we've got a plan,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we assume we we're going to work it somehow, but we, we found out we couldn't, but it wasn't that difficult because you kind of, if you had three options to vote on for a match, let's say, you kind of knew what the popular choices were going to be. Sure. You, you could kind of break it down. So you pick out your top two choices, the most likely to be voted in. By the fan vote, and there's a lot of fans that voted. Man, they they bid on this thing, it's too better than by the pay per view. But they voted, and uh, it, it just it it just uh, was it, it was an interesting concept. A lot of votes, but we figured we could nail it down. And 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 look, we're supposed to be professionals here. Quite frankly, if you go back in the old days, the guys, the old times, old promoters like myself would say, "Well, we're going to make the announcement when you get in the ring." What? I mean, we can't go memorize our spots during the day. No, you have to learn to work and listen to the audience and feel what the audience has given you and give it back to them. Because none of these matches are things that you haven't done. So, uh, but we didn't do that. They got, they got a heads up what it's going to be. And, uh, on, on the, on the voting. So, but it was legit. As far as I know, Conrad, I swear to God, it was legit because I asked that question, well, what, what's this going to be? We don't know. What do you mean? We don't know. Come on, it's work. Well, it's not a work on this one. Okay.
1: Well, let's talk about the concept of the idea. I mean, obviously in 2004, the internet is full steam ahead. Um, you know, most everyone in America at that point probably had access to internet. Uh, but that wasn't always the case. WCW used to do this on their Saturday night show. This is probably pre-internet. They've got bad guys in one dressing room, good guys in the other. Fans were encouraged to call into their hotline and vote on the match to see the match they'd like to see that night, that of course, all the work, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's an interesting idea, but I, it just feels like every time they've tried this, there's been some sort of work around for it.
0: Well, nobody trusts anybody. They think automatically if it's wrestling, right. It's uh, I want to take, hey, look, I got back from Dallas today, but my bags did, not as I mentioned, and I go in the baggage office, American, and she says, uh, I said, man, it's been a bad couple of weeks here, my travel with you guys. Long story short, she says, well, what do you do? I said, well, I'm on the road. I'm a, on Jim Ross, I'm a wrestling announcer for for AEW, a new wrestling company, used to be with WWE and now with AEW on Thursday, Wednesday nights on TNT, blah, blah, blah. Well, do you like that? I said, uh, man, let me ask you a question. Are you asking that question in regards to the fact that you don't like pro wrestling because it's fake? Are you asking that question in an insulting fucking manner? I didn't say that, that because you don't like wrestling. So why would I like it? I don't like it because it's made me a lot of money, a lot more than I'm ever going to make working for the American baggage claim. I promise you. I didn't say that either. I wanted to, I bit my tongue, but we still battle the, uh, fat shaming of being a pro wrestling fan. Does that, do you, do you like that? I said, you don't, you, honey, you know, that John Wayne really wasn't a cowboy. That shit is fake. It's show business. God damn it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Jungle Boy Jack. Don't call him Jungle Boy Jack, JR. You're going to kill his gimmick.
1: I'm telling you what, this is a new rule. I know we, we talked off air about our new recording schedule so we could make sure we were never late again, but I want to do it right after you get off a goddamn plane. <laughs> I want to do it Thursday and I'll be fluid that day. Whenever you step foot off, I'll be ready. I'll head home from the office and we'll make it happen.
0: All right. Whatever you want to do. Hey, you're the podcast, you're the pod father. You're the booker of this goddamn runaway train with all your raft of characters you have here now. So my uh, Yeah, whatever you want to do, big boy. I'm fine with that. But seriously, uh, it's a it was a the, the Taboo Tuesday was just another Vince idea. Here's what you understand from working with Vince. And I think Bruce would probably tell you the same thing. You try to make his ideas work. You try to protect him uh, socially business wise and all fronts protect Vince. And I did that for years and Bruce has done it for years. And now Bruce is back doing it and the, and the, but that's fine. It's not a bad gig. Uh, you know, but don't, but again, rent or lease. I think Bruce, I'd go Bruce, how are you? i just just Airbnb that son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> well, uh, for better or worse, Bruce used, uh, Save with Conrad.com. And he has a proud homeowner right there in Stanford, Connecticut.
0: So is he really? He is. Yes, sir. I'll be down. We're well, good for him. Uh, and they look, his wife, Stephanie's back home. She deserves that. She's had a hell of a life. She's been challenged. This damn cancer. God bless her lover. And, uh, Bruce's kids are grown. They're empty nesters. Why not? So I look, i am all for Bruce been great. there. really, I ain't mad at WWE. I'm not against them. I don't look I, nothing. Come on folks. It's a goddamn pro wrestling show. Are you shitting me? And what's with these personality issues. Well, I don't want him to do good. I don't want them to do good. I, are you kidding? What kind of, life, what kind of life would you live if everybody that was doing well, that you knew you were jealous of because they might be doing better than you It's sick. It's a sickness and it's a, it's a wrestling thing. It should not be, but it is. Well,
1: what also should not be, but is, is Ray Trailer passed away on September 22nd, 2004. Not too terribly long before this show. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about
0: Ray here on the show. Any good, uh, boss man stories you can share with us? I think Ray's greatest matches that I can recall off the top of my head that jumped out of my mind vividly were in the, uh, uh, right after the buyout after, uh, Crockett bought out the cowboy and UWF. And they brought Ray in the big boss man, uh, to, uh, uh, work with Dr. Death and man, I'm telling you folks, if you get a chance to YouTube it or WWE network, whatever it is, you, you access your video, go back and find some big boss man versus uh, Dr. Death video. It's amazing. Two big 300 pounders. They were athletic as hell that had no issues of laying it in working safe, but snug. And believable. You didn't roll your eyes at their spots. They weren't looking for the next flip; they were looking to the next shot to strike somebody. They had some of the best matches I've ever called. No, no, because of me, because I mean, I was lucky. I was at ringside watching watched it, this stuff. It was amazing. So, Ray Traylor's best work was in, uh, I think, was in that at that buyout stuff with Doc. Even in the WWE line, uh, he was just—he was younger. He was healthier. He—he was—he was. He was he hadn't been involved in any drug or alcohol issues at that point in time that I'm aware of that affected his work. Uh he was a big athletic son of a gun, played a little college football, but a really light on his feet, agile, quick guy, uh that had this great frame and a wonderful gimmick that he lived. He owned his gimmick. He made it his. And uh, he was a special, special athlete and a really good guy. He was just country as hell, a good guy. And I remember when I we negotiated him to come back to WWE. He was. He came to visit me and Vince, and me first because I was on the second order, uh, and Vince, of course, the closer. And uh, he was just so excited about another opportunity. He had been doing something wrestlers rarely do, Conrad. He was running. He was running and to get in better shape. He was working on his cardio, not on a treadmill. He was actually running like an old school football player or athlete would go out and run the track or run a mile, run here or there. That's what Ray was doing. he was telling me how much he was running to work on his cardio. And I was so proud of him. And, uh, this is such a sweetheart of a guy. So I don't know of anybody that didn't like Ray trader. I really don't. I, you, you're, you're a better booker and a better manager of talent. If you could acquire more Ray traders for your locker room. And I'm not talking about the, the, some of those issues he had. They were, those are demons. Those are bad things. But the guy in the locker room that was straight and clear headed and talented You love that guy. And I love Ray trader. Let's talk about
1: somebody else who, uh, had a big upside, um, October seventh on SmackDown. We see the debut of Carlito Caribbean cool. And in his debut match, he beats John Cena to become the United States champion. Of course they're doing this because Cena was taking time off to film a movie. This is a hell of a way to uh, debut a guy. And, uh, you know, lots of opinions about Carlito. Mm-hmm. Would you consider his run to be a disappointment, given the way yes. it
0: started? Yes. You come in and beat your top guy, night one, right? Yeah. Cena. Cena goes down, does the honors, shows what kind of guy John Cena is, uh, and uh, confident in his abilities, unselfish, and uh, not and not afraid to change and do something different. That's John Cena. That's John Cena I hired, and I, and he's still the same guy, but he wanted to make Carly. And, uh, Carlito had, and still does, he's still a really, really good talent. I always thought that he was, uh, he, uh, he was, he underachieved and he was so good when he wanted to be, when he wanted to turn it on, he was as good as anybody we could put in the ring. He was natural. He had timing, he had charisma, he had athleticism, he could he just was, he was, he had the whole package, but, uh, the package he was more interested in was the package within his legs because that son of a bitch was as biggest as, uh, uh, Romeo in the, in the, I've never seen anybody. You talk about attitude era, uh, guy that was getting around Carlito was the man, he was the man. He had the women loved him and he loved them back and he had a who's who on that, uh, on it, notching his gun that he went out with and, and allegedly, uh, you know, did his business. And, uh, he was amazing. The guys were kidding him about how amazing his run as was, with some of these tens that were divas in WWE. He turned nothing down, but the covers and he was damn sure a swordsman. So, uh, but his wrestling work was excellent. I just don't think he was ever really motivated. You know, your promoter's son. Got a little different path than somebody else, but uh, Carlito Colon was a was a great, great talent. Really athletic and understood the business. I just think that sometimes uh, he had a lot more uh, invested in his social life than he did his, uh, his his wrestling side. Hey, if he was younger and I, I, I he, he's he's good at anybody's company. I know what he's doing now. He's like, I guess he's doing some indie days and stuff like that. I'm not sure. I lost contact. I know he, last time I heard he was living in Houston. By law, he was never a problem in the locker room, never a problem to me, always polite, good kid. And, uh, but you know, I think he could have been greater than he ever dreamed. If he had fully dedicated himself to the wrestling side of his career and not the social side.
1: We should mention that, uh, there's some other people who are trying to make their debut in the WWE. It's tough enough for going on when this is happening and out of the eight finalists we see a couple of names that we're going to recognize Daniel Puter Ryback who's uh here's Ryan Reeves of course and Mike Mazanan who we know as the Miz. Mm-hmm. Man when you get Ryback and Miz out of this same group tough enough for had to be uh one of the best ones huh
0: Yeah good crew good group uh Ryback was another guy that probably has not ever has never reached his full potential in wrestling Could have been a lot better than uh, he was perceived to be, uh, just didn't work out, you know, sometimes attitude, uh, right place, right time, whatever, just stars, just not in line. But if he had, if he had not been, if he had not had distractions, uh, Ryan had a lot of ability, a lot of upside. And I think when we first saw him, we thought he uh, being somewhat of a ultimate warrior type guy, heavily muscled, big, thick guy, you know, you ain't gotta be uh, a Dory jr. And catch catch can wrestling, uh, you, you can be a, a bruiser, and that's what he was. But you know, along the way, things got kind of taken out. You know, not he didn't do himself any favors, quite frankly. Miz, I always liked Miz Conrad, but here's my here's here was my early day issues with Miz. Is I always proceed, he's a good-looking kid. He's got a nice body. He's athletic. Uh, he's certainly smart. I didn't know his work would lend to him being perceived as a tough guy. And if you're going to be a heel, which he was at that coming in as a heel, you got to have, a, you got to have a little thread in you. You got to have a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a little something, something there. And I didn't, I never felt that early on with Mike. And then as Mike got more successful and more experienced, he figured that out. I think, and he's become one of the top stars in WWE. He had a run as a champion. He was the guy. And then, of course, that like a lot, like Carlito's push. Why did Carlito's why, why did Carlito not become a bigger star? Because he didn't get the push, continued push. Why did he get the continued push? Because he didn't deserve it in the eyes of those that, that decreed that type of thing. So but Mike, Mike has evolved into a Mike's classic. You know, I saw an L.A. Thanks. to sent me a thing from L.A. that he he and Mauritius bought a six point two million dollar home in L.A. He must be doing really well. And I'm proud of it he lives lives in the house car like you do. Oh my gosh.
1: Listen to that. Hey, so the, uh, the thing I want to circle back to is you, I feel like you were struggling for the words there for Ryback. And then you said he just didn't do himself any favors. I'll leave it at that.
0: Attitudinal. Just relax, be patient and, and not be distrustful. The thing about wrestling, if you're, if your personality and I look, I know a lot of guys that are basically paranoid and that are are untrusting that are still in the wrestling business that struggle with that facet of their life every day because they trust nobody. It's a sad thing to have happen. But Ryan looked to me like a guy that had no trust for people. He'd been screwed around somewhere in his life. He didn't trust anybody. It didn't seem like, just my opinion now. Again, another guy I never had a bad word with. I always got along with Ryan. But he sometimes expressed himself in the wrong circles and said the wrong things. When it's better sometimes it's to leave things alone until they evolve, and uh, a lot of this generation right now has a, has a hard time with that. The millennial defiant individuals have a hard time with that particular thing, and there will be a lot more careers that will be ended in wrestling going forward because of that facet than a lack of wrestling ability. They don't trust. It's a mental thing and they screw themselves from the start, and that's not a good deal. So Ryan should have been a bigger star, no doubt about that. I'm sure he's going to say he got on the wrong side of somebody. Uh, He he went politically correct, whatever, whatever. Bottom line was, if you just lay back, right back, lay back, right back, and let it come to you, he'd be printing money right now. Instead, a lot of guys who are very smart, high IQs, like, like Ryan Reeves, they figure things out, but did you really figure it out? So I think sometimes he might've been his own worst enemy, but I, I thought he had great upside. I really did. Uh, and, and he's, you know, he's an entrepreneur now. He does some, do some interesting things, but uh, I felt badly for the fact that we missed on him in that regard. Some guys have got to be managed differently. You can't manage everybody alike.
1: I think, uh, I think Rob will be back. Uh, I think he's been doing some rehab to uh, fix some nagging injuries he had in WWE and if you follow him on social media, I mean, I haven't talked to him about it, but I'll just put two and two together. And I think when he's a hundred percent, we'll see him pop up somewhere.
0: I hope so. He, 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 he deserves it for himself. He's a workout freak. And all those guys eat, eating those egg whites and 88 chicken breasts a day and all that shit. Uh, yeah, he's dedicated, but he, he, he ought to, he, he has, if he has the opportunity Conrad to get back in the game, God damn man, go for it. Give it everything you got and try to recapture that lost time that you've, you've had while you're, you know, you're putting things back together. You know, Father Time don't wait on anybody. Because like I said before, you know, Uncle Sam don't do no jobs on the, on your taxes. Father Time don't do no jobs either, man. So get it while you can. I hope he does. I hope you're right, Conrad. I really do. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about...
1: some stuff going on behind the scenes, there's one piece of news that really, really stuck out when I was doing our research for this. And I know you're going to have a strong opinion. And as if this show hasn't been quote worthy enough, here comes some more for all the news sites,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Pat Patterson turned in his resignation in October of 04. Wade Keller would write Pat Patterson, Vince McMahon's top confidant dating back to the mid eighties expansion of the company gave his notice last Tuesday Although the 64-year-old Patterson often spoke of retiring someday soon, that talk grew more serious over the past month or so. The decision was accelerated due to a conflict behind the scenes with Triple H. Patterson, the main booker of the WWF in the early 80s, is credited with having a spectacular mind for laying out epic matches, including some of the best Royal Rumbles and biggest matches involving The Rock, Hulk Hogan, Steve Austin, and Ultimate Warrior. His booking philosophy was sometimes criticized for being too juvenile, or based on ha ha humor, as it's referred to within WWE. Recently, McMahon asked Patterson to evaluate the royal roster and his conclusion was that triple H was the problem. He felt that focusing the brand around triple H wasn't working, especially troublesome was Hunter's failure to evaluate, uh, elevate new talents to a main event level. Eugene and Chris Benoit were two examples of wrestlers who didn't end up any hotter after feuding with Hunter than they were before in part because of how they were discarded after feuding with Hunter. Quote, sure, Hunter does jobs, but he doesn't elevate anyone, says one veteran wrestler. It's good that Pat finally spoke up. Since Patterson did speak up, he found himself in hot water with Triple H, who is as much of an influence over WWE's direction as anyone other than Vince himself. Patterson and Hunter have have always had a tense relationship, dating back to Patterson favoring Rock over Hunter, where both were climbing the ranks in the late 90s. Patterson worked closely with the rock and was seen as quote unquote, his guy, Hunter was aware that he was battling for a top position and he felt Patterson siding with the rock worked against him. Patterson also wasn't a fan of the way Hunter would politic backstage. He noticed Hunter's frequent nitpicking of rocks, performances in front of others and saw it as counterproductive and petty. They butted heads forever. Said one wrestler who knows both well. They got along on the surface, but they always had differences in philosophies. Said another wrestler, Hunter was always so jealous of rock. So he saw Pat as the enemy. Many suspect Patterson will return quote. He'll quit for six months, then return. Vince and Pat are too close. I think he'll come back when he thinks he's needed. He just feels jilted right now. Talk to me a little bit about this resignation from Pat in October of 04 and and how far off is Keller's report that it's probably because of triple H.
0: Well, I think that, uh, Pat saw his role diminishing for whatever reasons there may be. Uh, I think, you know, when I, when I r- was reading this, uh, our, our research material this week to do the show, as I said, I, and I said it too much about having plenty of time on the airplane or the airport to read and research, uh, Pat, I, I would say this, Pat felt it felt like a little jilted lover. He he was joined to hip events for years and years and years in pivotal years. Not just, you know, not just a year like in 2004, I'm talking about years where your balls are on the line because if we don't do well, we're not gonna be in business. That some of those WrestleMania uh, uh gambles that Vince took uh, you know, was just uh, immense. And Pat was right there. Pat was a creative genius for a lot of that stuff. Pat did have a propensity for humor. Uh, I'm not a big humor guy, and as it relates to wrestling, I think humor should be organic and real and natural. I think that pro wrestling should be more athletically oriented. That's just me. Somebody will say, "Well, why are you at AEW?" Because they pay me a lot of money, and I like the people I work for, and I love wrestling. I love helping these young kids. Are they are they doing too many flips and flops for my taste? Yeah, they are. To be honest with you, they sure are. But they're winning themselves off that a little bit because Conrad. That type of wrestling is not new and fresh anymore. How many times have you seen a, uh, you know, a four fifty, a six twenty, or you know, blah 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 blah? And now it's not new anymore. It's not new. So we got to figure out something else that's going to get the people's attention. It might be a wrestling match. It might be using psychology and grabbing them by the emotional balls and pulling them right along in the story. So I think Pat felt jilted. He wasn't Vince's right. Wasn't joined to hit by Vince. And Hunter wanted to be joined to hit by Vince or with Vince, I should say, because he had grown up in that WWE environment. He, he saw that Vince is a boss and look, it worked out pretty well for Hunter. Hunter was right along. Hey, look, if I put my cards right, I'm going to a pretty good spot here. He was right. And there he is. And Patterson resigned because of those hurt feelings. And he knew that Hunter was in a position where he was not going to be supplanted. So Pat decides to take a walk. All of us knew. He wouldn't leave him forever. That probably if you the discussion would have probably been at catering. How long do you think Patterson will be gone? Oh, a month, two months, maybe three, something like that. So uh, I I, uh, I I think that uh, you know Pat's contributions are amazing. He's a brilliant, finished guy, as good as I've ever been around, quite frankly. But his propensity when he gets bored is to lend the to to filter off and become ha ha as he called it. He said, wrestling has to have ha ha. Well, I can guarantee you this when he w- was working for Roy Shire in San Francisco, when they were selling those cow palace shows time and time again. And Pat had a 12 or 13, 14 year run in one territory. It wasn't ha ha. It was serious shit. And so he, he knew the serious stuff and how it worked better, but he liked personally, he enjoyed the comedy. That's just his personality. But he and Hunter didn't have, have different, different ideas on things in that regard. Pat never came to me and said that hunters of shits, blah, 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 blah. Or vice versa. Uh but Pat, I think, felt like he his feelings got a little bit hurt, feathers ruffled. But as somebody said, as Keller said, they thought it would be a short term deal, and it was. Pat's still in the payroll. He's eighty. He was in his mid sixties when he resigned. He's in his eighties now. He's still getting paid. So it was a it was a knee jerk deal and we all knew he'd come back and he did, and where he should be. Pat should be in WWE till he dies.
1: Well, let's talk about Al Snow briefly. Uh, He's doing commentary on heat at this time. He's going to have his last broadcast on October 10th. And then he's going to go on to be one of the trainers on Tough Enough. And Al has had a training school in Lima, Ohio for many years. And of course, these days is running Ohio
0: Valley and he's got a tremendous. That's Lima, Ohio, by the way. Well, either way. Either way. Lima, Lima, beans, whatever. Ohio. Talented dude. Great
1: trainer. Uh, we don't yeah. talk about Al a lot here on the show. I know we recently put over his great book, which I still strongly recommend. I think it's a great book and JR's book is on sale now for pre-order. If you want to check that out on Amazon. Thank you. W- w- what do you think about Al as a trainer and, and how did he do on tough enough? We didn't talk about that when we briefly touched on tough enough for
0: Alan Sarvin, AKA Al snow, very, very talented man understands the wrestling business was never a major star. He, if you put it in baseball parlance, considering the playoffs are on right now, Al was like a seven or eight hole hitter, but he always played. He always contributed. So whether it be as a baby face or a heel, in singles or in tags, or doing commentary, uh, he was really, really talented. I met him in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. i never heard of him. Never knew who he was. And uh I was so impressed that night one. Cause he was a heel in Smoky mountain for cornet. God damn it. Al Snow's a heel. And then he uh, could just talk natural, real, not doing wrestling, fake wrestling promos, you know, where you're over the top. And it's, uh, you can't believe it because it's BS roll your eyes at the scripted wrestling promo type thing. Al's a natural performer, but his greatest gift to me, Conrad is the fact that he's a great trainer. He did a wonderful job training our stars starts to be uh, in WWE. I had, I had all the faith in the world in Al Snow's training. That's why at OVW, he's, he bought OVW from Danny Davis, uh, the company that did, you know, help put a lot of guys on the map, made them millionaires, along with Cornette and Danny. And you know, as I said, and gosh, you know, who's that? Oh, Riff Rogers. You know, Riff's a great teacher, too. But Al's a great coach. So he's got his skill in, in Louisville. And I'm, uh, I wouldn't, if I was a wrestler listening to the show or somebody that wanted to be a wrestler, That's a great place to research, to see if the OVW school is right for you. I think you you could not go wrong getting tutored by and coached up by Al snow. Very, very talented dude.
1: Someone who's coming out of OVW who's going to be coming up to the main roster is, uh, Mark Magnus, who we know is Muhammad Hassan. Mm -hmm. Chat me up about what you think his prospects could have been had he not been the Muhammad Hassan character, I'm sure we'll do a whole episode on Muhammad Hassan another time, but just the guy behind the character, if he was anything else, what do you think his wrestling career would have looked like?
0: Good, good looking kid at a great body, smart, college, educated, uh, handsome, you know, a good TV. Look, it's a, it's a look business kids and uh, he had it. And of course, then the obligatory heel role that he and Davari ran would be the you know the evil foreigners, the you know Middle Eastern guys and all that crap. Uh, but a uh, good kid. I remember he got he was shocked when he did an angle with me and Lawler in a face in a face when I had my headset on, which is not talked about, and it drove one of the uh, metal things into my head and I got I started bleeding, and so Lawler, of course, capitalized on Jay. Are you bleeding? Jay, are you bleeding? And. uh. So that we did our little angle. We had a match, actually. I say that loosely. Uh, Lawler and his partner, JR. God. Uh, sorry, Jerry. You had to carry my fat ass. Uh, against Davari and uh, and Hassan. And at a pay-per-view, even. extreme rules. So uh, that's was that been back about 30 years, I'm assuming. Uh, but good kid. He just hit the wrong gimmick at the wrong time, man. Bad timing. He got the worst break that you could probably imagine talented, good looking guy. Educated should have been a star, but he had the wrong gimmick and politically wrong, uh, just a lot of wrongs, but, uh, nobody paid attention sometimes. And and the kid's career was cut short. I think he's, he's an educator now. I think I think somebody told me the other day he's an educator, high school or college, he's doing something in education and good for him, But, but he just was wrong place, wrong time, man. Let's talk a little bit
1: about, um, something that was ahead of its time. WWE announces at the end of September that they're going to be debuting a 24 seven service, which is going to be on cable systems like Comcast. And this of course is an on-demand service that you're paying monthly for at the time that was all the range. I know Howard Stern was trying one uh, around this same time or not too terribly long after this, this of course is the precursor for the WWE network. Bruce has talked about when he first came up to work for Vince in the late eighties, that even back then Vince was talking about a network and of course at the time, he meant a traditional television network, not the OTT service that we know now. When did you first hear Vince sort of freestyle about perhaps a WWF or WWE network?
0: We talked about it a lot in early. Uh, don't remember the date or the year specifically. But the motivation to buy libraries like, uh, you know, the AWA library from the Ghana family. Uh, and, and I think actually it was from the, uh, I think Gene Oakland's son bought the library and we bought the library from him. Uh, then the mid South library was acquired. I know I went down to Dallas and met with Mrs. Von Eric, uh, the, the matriarch of that, that family. So our goal was always to buy all these territory libraries. Accumulate all the content, and and then figure out what we're going to do with it. Uh, was kind of the idea, but and by that I mean, we had talked about doing a cable channel, uh, much like. And I show sure how stupid I was. I, I'm the guy that, that that said the Weather Channel will never work. And you know, hello, look at Jim Cantore. He's a, <laughs> I'm kidding, but you know, seriously. I didn't think the Weather Channel would be a success. It, it was a huge success. Uh, we were talking about doing a channel. Uh, there were channels available, space available on cable systems to have a channel. We weren't quite ready for that, but that was what the game, the game plan was going to be. That, and then of course, as the uh, evolution of social media occurred, uh, we they accomplished that with the, with WWE uh, the, the the network now, it's the WWE network. So, it's been talked about a long time, Conrad, a long time because. We knew there was great content out there that had aired once. The thing about this deal is, is that that Territory Wrestling stuff aired one time. And it might have aired you know, here, randomly here or there, but essentially they were one-offs. So they aired once, and their, their shelf life was one run. And they were out there waiting on us. And most people had not seen them. They're a Territory thing, regional. So uh, we talked about that a long time. And it's worked out pretty well. The WWE Network's making on some money.
1: Uh, yeah, you could say that again, somebody else who's going to be making some more money in this era, your boy, Johnny ACE, John Laurinaitis is going to take over as VP of talent relations. It would be described by Wade Keller that he was, uh, already positioning himself as soon as he joined WWE as the quote replacement in waiting for the overworked Ross and his talent relations position. It happened gradually throughout 2004 with, uh, Johnny taking over more and more of the duties and responsibilities. And then eventually when you're promoted, he gets the spot and it's categorized in the newsletters here that he is a political climber and he's having trouble winning over some of the WWE wrestlers who were quote, used to Ross's management style and their talent. Mean, that, here's what
0: that meant. The code for that is JR was honest. We might not have liked him all the time, but the son of a bitch is always going to be honest with us. I wasn't playing games. I wasn't one of the boys trying to quote unquote, get over brother. Uh, and that's the whole deal there. I was not aware I was going to be replaced in talent relations. That was that time with that in a, at a TV one day said, I want you to go down to a meeting with the talent. Uh, and I'm going to make John, uh, John's going to take your spot and I'm going to promote you to senior vice for, or executive VP of business strategies, which was never even a, a title. It wasn't even existed. It meant nothing. I did nothing. He didn't want me to hurt my feelings for me to leave. I ended up, you know, how that worked out. But nonetheless, Lauren Itis' deal was out of the clear blue to me. It was a total shock. I didn't know it was coming. I think sometimes he was less than truthful. I don't think as forthcoming as he should have been. Uh, he had a great smile and pretty white teeth. Uh, you know, I know Mrs. Bobba liked him. And uh, he had some stroke. But the boys knew he was a worker. And they still know he's a worker. And if you go back and look at his track record as the in talent relations, give me a long list of stars that he signed, that he developed that are going to the hall of fame and has drawn big money for the McMahons. I challenge you. All
1: righty. I'll I i we are taping every Thursday from now. Um, it would be written in the newsletter here that one of the reasons that uh, maybe the wrestlers had a different relationship with you as they gained respect for you during the years of successfully building a roster that led to the company's biggest boom period in history. And they would, he would continue to write, this is from Wade Keller. The skepticism on Laura stems from his lack of a proven track record in the ring. He barely qualified as a mid Carter with his most acclaimed U S stint being a run and WCW as a tag team with Shane Douglas called the dynamic dudes. Stop it. And then he moved on to all Japan as a wrestler and eventually became greatly influential as the main intermediary between us and all Japan management.
0: You know why he was, he, he, he had good penmanship. He was, he was organized, uh, stayed pretty organized. Uh, Mrs. Baba loved job. I'm not insinuating any sexual crazy shit. I'm just saying that he, he built his relationship with Mr. Baba largely through. Mr. Bob's wife, who thought Johnny was a handsome, blonde, tall, lean, pretty white teeth, uh, and, uh, always nice and a good politician. So that's how that worked out. The boys that had gone to Japan or the boys that had negotiated deals through Laurenitis oftentimes would tell me, I don't trust him. I didn't trust him then. I don't trust him now. And I said, well, he's your guy. I'm out. He's in. So you got to play for him now.
1: The other thing that would be written here is, uh, while he's working in all, uh, for all Japan quote, it's during that stretch of time that he polished his skills as a slick schmoozer and management pleaser. And uh, one current WWE wrestler would tell Wade he's drunk with power. It's one thing for us to tolerate business being down. We can handle that pretty well if this is still a happy place to work, but if we're miserable and it's heading that way right now, it's tougher to cope. And Tom Pritchard. Who is uh, one of the folks let go by Johnny Ace? Says I don't know how much John just says yes to Vince. I'm not there when they have their meetings or talks, but so far it's obvious that Vince likes the way John is doing things because he's still there. Mm-hmm. And this is a tough spot because, of course, Tom Pritchard is Bruce Pritchard's brother, and he's cut loose here. You know, another
0: another great trainer. He's in that same Al Snow level. Tom Pritchard is as good a trainer as he is in America. Uh, And and he goes right hand in glove with how good Al Snow is. We had great trainers there. I didn't give a shit about politics. I didn't care about their white teeth. I didn't care about what they wore or their comportment or their kissing ass and laughing at every joke. I didn't care about that. I cared about teaching the guys the safe way of practicing their skill. And Tom Pritchard and Al Snow both were proficient at doing that. And if you don't believe me, folks, go back and look at these guys during that era that we brought into the company and how they had developed. And the guys have become millionaires and hall of famers because they had goddamn good coaching on from the ground floor up. That's where that came about. And the guys could see right through Laurenitis. Hey, John's a decent guy. I I was a little myth that when my wife got killed, he didn't communicate with me. I thought that was kind of chicken shitty, but what the hell? Who cares really? Right? We don't, we don't communicate. We don't exchange Christmas cards. I don't give a shit and he don't give a shit about me. That's fine. It's reciprocal. But the bottom line of it is he's a, he's a he's a worker, he's a worker. And you know, you can put this, go back and trace the steps and folks. You can get pissed at me if you want, I don't care. I'm just telling you the truth. He's a worker and uh, he outworked me. But at the end of the day, I was burned. I was getting burned out. I was, I was, I was getting beat to hell and I was, my health was failing me. My health was failing me that nobody, including Wade Keller, somebody don't talk about, or the overworked Jr. Okay. What does that mean? I was sick and I was fading and, uh, he took advantage of that.
1: Well, have you ever wondered why so many Americans are sick, unhealthy, and overweight between the food supply and a sedentary lifestyles? Americans are in worse shape than ever. And that's why the team of on staff physicians at Brickhouse nutrition created field of greens field of greens is an easy way for you to add fruits and vegetables to your daily routine without spending hours in the produce section hiring a home chef or taking cheap supplements field of greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables. It also helps boost your immunity using antioxidants and assists in digestive health with prebiotics and probiotics. It's like having a doctor and nutritionist in your kitchen. One scoop delivers a full serving of fruits and vegetables. Just drop it in a cup of water, stir and you're done. It's also great for smoothies, but here's the bottom line. This is real food not extracts. You will look and feel better. Go to brickhousejr.com right now and get 15% off your first order just for trying it out when you use our promo code JR. That's brickhousejr.com and use the promo code JR. We can't recommend this enough. I know that uh, you got your first shipment of Brickhouse. My wife, I do. my wife's got ours. I'm having a smoothie every day, and I know it sounds cliche, but I'm sleeping better. It's working. I'm a believer yep. BrickhouseJr.com. Use that promo code Jr.
0: It's a no brainer folks. Really it is. And we're all busy. We're all got, we all perceive that we're busier than we can hardly handle. This is a great way, quick way, efficient way, time efficient to make sure your body is taken care of our health is our number one asset. Our health is our number one resource. And this product will help you stay, get you healthier and, and make you and stay healthier. It's a no brainer folks it really is, it's inexpensive. And as Conrad said, if you don't want to go through the time to go to the grocery store, go through all the fresh produce, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this is it. And so it's, I, am so glad I got it because it's just a quick way of making sure your health is good and you're taking care of yourself. So uh, check it out. It's it's uh, I I can't talk about this w- well enough. It just saves me so much time and puts the good stuff in my body that counteracts some of my Moscow mules.
1: Let's talk about taboo Tuesday. We're finally here. Um, you and Jerry are going to open the show uh, from the right side of the stage. And you mentioned that over 4 million votes have come in, which is just unbelievable. Right out of the shoot, we've got the women from raw appearing on stage to find out what type of match they'll be having. There's seven women with, uh, Trish Stratus as the heel women's champion. Fans get to vote on their outfits for a battle royal style match. That's right. We're not we're not voting on the type of match. We're voting on what the ladies are going to wear. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we could do this in 2019. Schoolgirls gets the win. JR, were you pulling for French maids or nurses, or were you were you tickled no, with schoolgirls?
0: I'll come, schoolgirl guy. Be honest with you. Uh, I didn't vote. You know, I didn't want to tilt the uh, the scales of justice here. Uh, but it was pretty, look, it's either going to be the schoolgirl or the French maid. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. And the girls do that. They had two outfits. They're ready to go. So it was, uh, it was a uh, very chauvinistic, very sexist and very, uh, PG, but it was what it was. And it got a lot of votes.
1: Next up, we've got the uh, first match, which is for the intercontinental championship and uh, we get to vote for the opponent which I think is kind of cool. Chris Jericho is defending the belt, of course, and the options are, uh, Jonathan coachman, Batista and Shelton. Benjamin, uh, Shelton. Benjamin is going to get the nod with th- 37% and, uh, he goes 10 minutes and 54 seconds and wins the intercontinental title. Not a huge match here. According to the uh, review, it only got a star and three quarters. And Wade would say a flat match with mediocre crowd, heat and not a lot of drama, but that's the risk when two baby faces face off and neither want to turn the crowd against themselves or each other. So, you know, I guess this idea of, Hey, who do you guys want to see? Sounds good in theory, but then an execution might not lead to the best match.
0: Well, you got to think about that kind of thing. So you're going to have the incumbent, the champion, if he's a baby face, then what I would suggest your, your candidates would be three heels, right? What an amazing concept. I just thought of that, Conrad. Can you believe this shit? I've flown all day. I'm stressed out. I'm drinking a meal. I'm a little bit pissed off tonight. I'm a little bit pissed off right now. But there's your answer. Babyface champion, who's he going to face? I don't know. It's going to be one of these three heels. Duh. We didn't do that. Let's
1: talk about Shelton Benjamin. He's wrestling singles here. Of course, previously he was on SmackDown with Charlie Haas as the world's greatest tag team. Before that, in OVW, he was part of one hell of a class, including Brock Lesnar. He doesn't have a a tremendous uh, singles run, but to get him started, when he gets drafted to Raw, he's immediately in a match with Triple H, and Triple H beats him. Um, what do you think of Shelton as a single, and why don't you think he had more upside in the company?
0: I've said this before in our shows. You know, he was in that class, that magical class that we signed, that included uh, Batista. And Cena and Lesnar and Orton uh and Shelton. And Shelton was the best athlete of the group. And those guys would would say this would agree. Uh he was an amazing and still is an amazing athlete, still working. I saw him on TV last week or not on Raw. Uh I think it was. So uh he he had every physical gift known to man, Shelton Benjamin. Class guy. But we did not do him any justice on helping him develop his personality and put him in positions uh, to where he could be successful. If then, when he was younger and then Conrad, if Paul Heyman had been riding raw, Paul Heyman would have figured out a way to hide Sheldon's deficiencies and accentuate his uh, positive things. And, uh, but we didn't have the patience. It was a big fumble. And it's funny how you go, things go back around where you say, well, you know, we might not have done that guy as right as we could have. That's where they are right now. They're, you know, he's shells getting work. Thank God. Good for him. Uh, but he's a really underrated off the radar, kind of a guy. And he's, he will probably never get the credit for being as good as he is ever in his career.
1: Why do you think that is? Because you just assume at this point, he'll ride it out with WWE and they've sort of got him typecast where he is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not going to move. I don't think he's, he's in the, he's with a big dog in the yard and he's getting a steady check, a nice check. I'm sure a big check. Uh, uh, his ethnicity helps him, uh, quite frankly. Uh, I, he's a great guy, really is a great guy. Uh, and I think of a lot of him, man, he's I, when I hey, look when, when we recruited rock Sheldon was like a tag along the eyes of some guys, you asked Jerry Briscoe, and I talked about this a lot. He and I talked about this a lot. Sheldon was a sleeper in that class. I mean, there was, Sheldon could do things that the other guys I mentioned earlier that became Hall of Fame-level millionaire-type guys that they couldn't do. That's how good he was athletically, including Brock. And even when they worked out at the Minnesota for Chey Robinson at the, for, the, for the Gophers, the Minnesota Golden Gophers there, uh, Brock had all he could handle with Shelton. Sheldon was a student coach. So Shelton Benjamin worked out with Brock Lesnar every day in the wrestling room, and it wasn't a walkthrough for Brock. Shelton pushed his ass, but nobody else in America did because Brock was a national champion. So he, that's how good Shelton Benjamin was. We dropped the ball. We meaning the WWE, myself included, does there, uh, on him. And I don't know why it was. Sometimes the squeaky wheel gets greased. And if you don't peek, peek or squeak, squeak, you don't get nothing. Shelton never made a. Never said a negative thing. He did Sheldon would have showed his ass like a lot of the talents and wanted to be a, 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 a you know, a penis. Uh, he would, he could have done that and probably got more attention and maybe more focus. He didn't do it because that's the kind of guy he is. And that might've been a mistake, but he's, oh, Conrad, he's one of the best athletes we ever recruited in WWE in my entire 26 years there. That's how good he is.
1: Let's keep it moving. Let's talk about, uh, Todd Grisham. He's going to interview edge, Chris Benoit and Shawn Michaels backstage. And he's going to give each guy one last pitch for last second fan votes. And, uh, what do you know? Michaels finishes first with 39%. Edge has 33 Benoit has 28% pretty
0: close actually. Right?
1: Yeah. Next up, we've got Trish Stratus winning a battle Royal. They go five minutes and 35 seconds. It gets a quarter star, uh, Wade would say lots of women bending over, not much wrestling, not a disaster, but not good. Uh, we should mention in the match: Nydia, jazz, Victoria, Gail, Kim, uh, Stacy, Molly Holly. So a lot of, uh, interesting names in there,
0: but they great talents, by the way, let me tell you something, that group of ladies right there, all these women now, some are making a million dollars a year and more. Now, in WWE, a million dollars a year and more. That's 19,000 change a week. They can thank the names you just mentioned. Stacy Keebler, Victoria, Nydia, Trish Stratus, Molly Holly, and Gail Kim. I don't know that there's ever been a better six-man team of females that I've ever seen better than Trish, Molly, and Gail Kim. I think Gail Kim is my favorite female wrestler, period, uh, of that era. She and uh, Trish, she, she helped so many women and Molly Holly. My God, what a, what a treasure, what a great human being. So we had, a, they didn't cause trouble. They were great in the locker room. There was no issues or no drama to speak up. So those women really contributed big time and led the way to the Charlotte's and the Becky's and all these other cats uh, for making massive money because these ladies paved the way.
1: No doubt. No doubt. This match is, uh, not a lot
0: of wrestling though. No. Uh, next up we've got, Ty- That's not, but it wasn't booked for that. No, no, I know. I'm it, just it's saying it's, it's, an, an, it, it's TNA. That's why the stipulation was what they're going to wear what, what their holes are going to use or what you got to win by, by, submission or whatever It was how are you going to show your ass and not get us kicked off television, how much cleavage can you show? That's getting kicked off television. That's where that was. That's all that was TNA expose.
1: Let me ask you though. Did you guys have that type of specific conversation? How much can you show without us getting in trouble?
0: They knew what they wanted to do. They knew what they needed to do. You didn't have to specifically say it. They're not children. They knew They knew that their role, as a, as a great woman would say, know your role. And they knew their role and were happy, even though it was, you think Molly Holly, with her, her character and the way she approached life, was excited about being uh, perceived as a sexy uh, type competitor? No. It was uncomfortable for her. I get it. But she still went along with it as far as she would go. In that, in that pr- presentation. So it was, they knew their role, man. And they, and I, God bless them. I tried to, we paid them as good as we could and they all made some pretty good money during that era, but, uh, they were a pleasure to be around.
1: Next up. We've got an interview with La resistance backstage who say them, not knowing their challengers was typical of the corrupt American voting system. <laughs> and then Jr would say he's not the biggest Kane fan, but he, he, he hopes he beats the living hell out of gene Snitsky. And then we see the voting. What type of match were these guys gonna have? Is it gonna be a lead pipe? Is it gonna be a steel chair? Or is it gonna be a chain? Chain gets the win, 41 percent. Steel chair comes in at
0: 30. Week, week, week. All week, all week suggestions. All week candidates. It was it was a turn of punch bowl. It wasn't gonna work. That was there were bad bad stuff. Snisky wasn't over. I like Gene. I got Gene some great tickets the other day to go to see Toby Keith in concert there in Pennsylvania. So I still keep in touch with Gene. Uh, But he wasn't over, and Kane was. It was an awkward match. You got two super heavyweights, so the match is going to be somewhat plotting. And the fans after a, after a bikini or a excuse me the uh, the women's foray, uh, a plotting match is not what was called for. the Bad bad positioning on the card.
1: Well, and the angle sucked. I mean, let's not yeah, forget that the, the the situation here. And this is going to be a lot to keep up with. Uh, Kane has won the hand of Lita in a match with Matt Hardy. So now uh, he gets his way with her and he impregnates her with his demon seed. And uh, of course, eventually there is a, a bad situation where Lita uh, takes a tumble and, and Snitsky's involved here. And because of that, we learn that uh, Lita has suffered a miscarriage, yet another miscarriage angle for WWE. And of course, Nitsy is going to say, it's not my fault. That became his, uh, catchphrase and oh. even punted a, uh, a baby doll into the crowd, but it's not my fault. How much were the writers having fun with this?
0: Apparently a lot, uh, is very, they, they, they wrote for Vince's enjoyment. How many times have you heard that Conrad? in These podcasts you do. Yeah, they, they wrote for Vince's enjoyment and punting a baby into the crowd would make him laugh. <laughs> <Pal>. <laughs> he laughed like Bruce last night. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's kind of that, you know, it's, uh, it was a bad booking in hindsight. It was a bad booking. That's all. Can't justify. Well, why'd you do that? Why'd you go over there? why would you? Go? It's bad booking. It was a, like you said, Conrad, nice idea on paper. It's in the, in practical application sucked.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, there's no way to. To say that other than that. Let's talk about the match. It too, not the best match. It gets three quarters of a star. It would be written lots of semi awkward lumbering around and hitting each other with the chain. Fourteen minutes and eighteen seconds. Gene Snitsky gets the win. And um he comes off the uh top rope with a big stomp on uh, Kane's head in the chair. Kane's gonna start coughing up blood. Kane gets taken out on a gurney, Snitsky attacks him again. So the match is over, but the
0: angle is not, uh, next up, we've got an interview with, uh, Ed. Let me me say one thing right here, Conrad. This is a prime example of the fumbles. Snitsky gets a big win over Kane. Kane was very, very well taken care of. Kane was in a good spot. He was over. So Kane did the honors and did the right thing, by trying to get Snitsky over to have another guy for the talent to work with, including Kane. Uh, but once they shot that angle, where did it go? Does anybody listening tonight or today remember what happened after that? I can tell you, nothing. Dropping the ball again. So instead of, well, we tried that, it didn't work. Well, why don't you play it on out and then have me put somebody over? Why don't you play it on out and have an angle and get something out of it as far as just forgetting about it, letting it go. Then, then, then and especially the fans today, don't forget nothing. I can promise you.
1: Next up, we've got, uh, Eric Bischoff taking on his nephew, Eugene, uh, the steps were the loser has to be the creative figurehead for SmackDown. Never, never mind. Um, the loser has to have their head shaved <laughs> and yeah. the loser has to wear a dress and the loser has to be the winner's servant. So <laughs> the stipulation is going to be getting your head shaved and of course, you, Eugene is going to beat Eric Bischoff two minutes and eight seconds. Uh, Bischoff tries to leave after Eugene gets a quick win and Vince McMahon comes out, razzes him, orders him to sit and get shaved or be fired. And then they start making fun of his gray roots and he's yelling. "Brother,
0: They were gray. Now, let me tell you something, (laughs) the old man had more fun exposing and what he perceived to be exposing Bischoff's gray roots than anybody should be allowed to have. Vince was almost giddy. Cause nobody really perceived that was going to be a development when they started shaving Eric's hair. Eric's got a very handsome head of hair now, but boy, it, it had turned gray on it, on it, on the son of a gun. And Vince had a field day with that.
1: Not only is he enjoying yelling, you phony son of a bitch. He's also making coach strip down to his boxer briefs and put on a dress. Uh, Wade would say the poach stuff was fun, but too long. And he gave it a dud rating.
0: Boy, Vince is in
1: his element right here. Is he not
0: loved it? He loved it. I had a blast. That's the entertainment side of sports entertainment. That's the side of the business that Vince embraces the most. The entertainment side of sports entertainment.
1: Well, that's uh what a wild show, man. Let's keep it going. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, Sean Michaels being shown, getting his left knee taped up Edge is going to go up to complain saying that. Sean knew that Edge could beat Triple H, but Sean took the opportunity away because he's a selfish son of a bitch, uh, which sets us up for something in the future. Next up, we've got Wade Keller talking about the Chris Benoit and Edge match. Um, the situation here is we've got uh, La Resistance defending the tag titles, and Benoit and Edge uh, are your challengers. And what do you know? They win. Um, star and a half. It goes sixteen minutes and three seconds. Probably too long. Wade would say another blah match. What do you think of this? I mean, this is the second title change we've seen. Uh, I'm sure you're trying to sort of get over the concept that you never know what could happen or anything could happen, but now we've seen not one but two, the Intercontinental and the Tag titles which place here.
0: Really simple way to figure this one out. You have Benoit with the greatest of all time. And I know in some circles you're not supposed to say that. I don't give a shit. I can say where I want to show, because let's say grilling with Jr. Uh, I, I do not condone by any stretch uh, the actions of Chris Benoit the last several hours of his life. But anybody that says uh, that uh, that has eliminated his ability to be considered a great wrestler uh, is bullshitting themselves. He is a great wrestler, and Edge was evolving into becoming a great wrestler as a heel, natural role for him. But they fought two a team that was cold, it meant nothing. It's like the same analogy we used earlier, the babyface match. there was there was no nobody had a dog and a hunt on that deal. Nobody cared if Law Resistance won or lost. There was no there was no mystery about who was going to win this match. Did you really think that Edge and and Benoit were going to lose to Law Resistance? The basic reason Law Resistance was booked is because first of all, Rob Conway is a great talent. And he was close to Cornette and some other guys and OVW, our OVW connection, because Rob was a big part of that down there in the early days. Really, really good worker. But uh, Sylvain Gronier was there because of Patterson. Patterson was a, a fan of, of Sylvain Gronier, French connection type thing. But they weren't over. They weren't bad guys. They just weren't over. So if you got, the, nobody gave a damn. The emotional investment was null and void. Uh, in that match, Conrad. And when you have that situation, we've had the same thing uh, in the early days of early shows of AEW. People didn't know who some of the talents were. We're trying to get everybody over. Who are they? Why should I care? And we didn't have clearly defined baby faces and heels because nobody knew who these guys were to start with. So it's, uh, that's kind of where we were there. Nobody cared about law resistance. And I don't say that in a personal front of those guys. Solid guys, good hard workers. They just weren't over. And so the match meant nothing. Let's
1: talk about the next uh, situation we've got here. It's uh, La Resistance is going to win the tag titles back two weeks later when Edge walks out of the match and, uh, and attacks Benoit. So even though this match, as you said, is blah, it does eventually lead to something. But what didn't lead to very much is the match that's up next. It's Christy Hemi versus Carmella, not the Carmella that's on TV now. Uh, which was set up after Christie won the first ever first ever Diva Search contest for a quarter million dollars. Carmella, of course, was the runner up. There's a video package to set this up, and uh, Coachman is at the control center wearing a dress, and we <laughs> see the voting results. An aerobics challenge got ten percent. An evening gown match got thirty three percent, and a
0: lingerie pillow fight got fifty
1: seven percent.
0: You know what sold that one, Conrad? The one word. Lingerie, one of your favorite terms. I know lingerie, lingerie, pillow fight. Then you could have been a lingerie fill in the blank and it got votes. Lingerie was your, was your, was your, was the Mac daddy of that deal. It shares that with an evening gown or aerobics challenge. Really? I want to see those 10% of people that voted for the aerobics challenge. Where the hell are you now? What's your story? Where are they now on the aerobics challenge? People have voted. Uh, Christie gets the
1: win in a minute and forty-six seconds. Uh Wade would say whatever it was, it wasn't good. Uh I I somehow bet JR would disagree with that. Next up, it's the world title. We've got Shawn Michaels, who won the vote, uh, challenging Triple H, the world champion. And there's been quite a build to get here. Of course, if you've been following along, you know that these guys were in the main event with Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 20, and we were off to the races. They go 14 minutes and 8 seconds. Triple H of course wins against 2 and a quarter stars. But there's not, you know, this is not a clean finish. Batista comes after Shawn Michaels, then Edge spears Michaels, then Hunter Drape's an arm over Michaels and he scores the pin. I thought this match was okay, but I got to say the uh the matches they had no two. Like Shawn's return I thought was way better. I thought yeah. the matches earlier in the year were way better. Were they just sort of out of ideas at this point? Had they done it all? Did this just not feel like a big show with only 3,500 fans there? And it's on a Tuesday. Why was this one not as good as some of the others?
0: I think it's just a rehash, uh, rehash reboot. And we'd seen it all. And unless you add something new, exciting and the, and the taboo Tuesday vote was not that, uh, that match is going to be a lot the same. It was a different generation. And so as well, you know, flair and steamboat wrestled. X number of times, like at 89, I call three of their great matches, but they rest a whole lot more than that. So it, that was an era. You could do that. You can't do that anymore. People complain. They said, well, I saw that match three weeks ago. So, so what? It's supposed to be episodically produced and we didn't do a good enough job there, the, the, but you know that you're going to vote for Sean, Sean and triple H had a great magic. They, they really did. They had they. I thought Sean, Michaels had came back out of his hiatus. I said this before was one of the most magnificent performances of any wrestler I've ever seen for somebody to be dormant for almost four years and come back and seemingly not miss a goddamn beat unbelievable. But I think people had seen it. They felt they had seen it and we we're on that cusp of that time frame, Conrad, where the business kept evolving to where if you felt like you'd seen something two or three times, it's old news now. Whereas in the old days, it was a program that some guys wrestled for a year before they got to the blow off that would not work nowadays.
1: Next up, we've got the main event. The show that goes, the, the match that closes the show is not the world title. Instead, it's Randy Orton, which I can't believe is real, taking on Ric Flair. Now, on the September 27th Raw, Randy was given an opportunity to face Triple H at Taboo Tuesday for the world title if he was able to win a match against Batista, but he lost due to interference from Ric Flair. And earlier in the show, Flair did a promo and Orton came out and said, Flair's is a legend that Orton idolized as he was growing up and he would even put on his dad's bathrobe and prance around and practice the <laughs> strut, but Orton couldn't have beat Benoit without him, which makes it so tragic to see what Flair has become. Flair tells him not to go there because Flair and triple H have something special and Orton said he can't imagine that Flair, the way he grew up, would ever say that, and he says Flair at this point, is just a glorified cheerleader. But Orton knows he wants to stand up to him like only flair can do. And here we go. We're off to the races. October 4th, there is quite the promo cut that gets a little bit of heat from Vince McMahon, according to the dirt sheets, a lot of heat Wade would write Vince McMahon was said to be fuming mad at Ric Flair for his comments on raw Flair was talking in the center of the ring live about how he didn't believe Randy Orton was a legend. Instead he's just a virgin and he followed up with the comment. You're a virgin at killing legends. And you know how many versions I made holler, scream and bleed all night long. That's my specialty. You little virgin, you will be mine all night long. And Hunter seemed to know the line was coming as soon as Flair began the one liner and then laughed uproariously when he said the part about making them bleed. McMahon, the man, of course, felt like this was crossing the line. What do you remember about the line? Cause you're, you're on the call with Jerry. And, yeah. and Vince's reaction after the fact
0: well Vince's reaction after the fact was he was he was vehement he wasn't a, he wasn't just mildly peeved he was pissed off because he felt like it could potentially cost us uh, sponsors uh, people was thinking it was it was crass, uh, classless et cetera etc in his in Vince's words and was afraid of what the fallout might be uh, in, in Vince's personal life you think he would have cared he'd probably laughed at the line. But as a as the head honcho and being the responsible person of this whole operation, he uh, he had a little different mindset. So he was pissed off, man. He was really pissed off about that deal and and uh, but you know, uh, I don't know. There was no. Rick didn't get fined. He didn't get fired. And I'm not I'm not advocating either of those things. I'm just saying that it was a blow up deal. It was a it was ill ill conceived idea. That's what it was. And, you know, Rick was just trying to get heat, trying to be a lightning rod, get people talking, but he, he went the wrong road on that one.
1: Uh, Rick would also be in the news for Wade where he would say friends of flair, say he tries his best to mask it when he's at arenas, but most of the time he's in great pain, especially earlier in the morning. The feeling is at this age, you shouldn't be taking bumps on a regular basis. Flair is said to be aware of the chances he's taking. But he doesn't even consider stopping on his own and is willing to keep doing it, even if it means dying in the ring. And Flair continues to blur the line between real life feelings towards Foley and on air storyline comments. As on Raw this week, when talking about Orton's claim that he's a legend killer, he stated Foley, not even great, and for sure, not a legend. We've briefly talked about the uh, spat that he had with Mick Foley, and some of that was due to what was written in uh, Foley's book or, or Flair's book. Chat me up a little bit about what you remember about Flair taking bumps in 04, whether he was hurting and masking it, if the office thought they needed to do anything and specifically the way he couldn't let this thing with Foley go. Well,
0: I think all you had to do with Rick at that time was, uh, as far as the, his age, just look at his driver's license, nobody doing what he was doing should be doing it at his age. I don't care. It just, it, it, it doesn't make any common sense. So you do a few of them here, there and yawn. I think the point that Wade made in this situation, probably well done, was the frequency. Uh, you know, he's an older body, he's had a lot of injuries, he's had a broken back, all these other ailments he's had. God knows how many concussions Rick has had during his lifetime. I'm sure it's an amazing number. Uh so we all knew but that, that his time was running out in that respect of that aspect of his career. But he was so lovable. And so he endeared, Rick endeared himself to so many people on the inside there that you hated to say, no, you hated to take away from him. What seemingly was the most important thing in his entire life. And I bet if you talk to his kids, they'll tell you dad's career was more important than just about anything in his entire life. I believe that I can identify with that. I can say the same thing about me, unfortunately. Uh, that's what pissed me off. so I said, well, JR don't care anymore. The hell I don't care anymore, pal. The hell I don't. And Rick always, Rick still cares. But at some point in time, you just got to shut her down. It's a different deal than what, what I do. I'm not taking bumps out there. and I, don't, I ain't going to take any bumps out there. Uh, Tony and I are in a bump-free zone. But that's the deal, man. I, I just think that we kept, okay, Rick, okay, one more, okay, one more. Because still, if he took part of the, his arsenal out, Conrad, with his natural timing, his reputation, and his uh, his aura, Rick was still a huge attraction for us, but we, we overused him. That's the thing about wrestling. Somebody you find out something that something that somebody does well and you just wear the wear it out, wear it out. And that's what we did there with him. I was worried about that. His situation to say he was hurting in the morning. I don't know that uh, I can't qualify quantify that to be yes, yes or no, true or not. But I know that we were all aware that his, you know, his, his age was creeping up on him and that we, we need to be smarter than we were which he's just hard to say no to, because you know that nobody ever in wrestling has ever loved being a wrestler more than Ric Flair does.
1: The voting for this was a submission match, which got 12% false count anywhere, which got 20% or a steel cage match, which got an overwhelming 68%. They go 10 minutes and 35 seconds. If you're going to watch one match on the show, I'm going to say, make it this one, just because it's old school. Horton's bleeding Flair's bleeding. Uh, of course we know Randy's going to win clean after an RKO. He was, uh, ducking a chair swing from Flair. afterwards. The guys shake hands and hug two and a quarter stars, but I thought it was a cool way to, to finish the show, even if it wasn't for the world title, because it was an old school cage match and you just don't get
0: many of those anymore. No, you don't. And the cage uh, took precedent over the title. Uh, and I'm not a big advocate of that. I still old school in the belief that your primary title should always close the show. And if you don't have a champion or an angle or a marriage, uh, booking specifically, uh, that would, uh, that will accommodate that. Then you're doing not, you're not doing a very good job of booking. So I would have closed the show with a title match and, and not the cage. i might even put the cage on a little bit earlier, but that would have offended Rick and it would have offended and it hurt his feelings. It would offended Randy cause he's not closing the show. And then, if you close the show with Hunter and Sean, it gets more heat on Hunter because he—they were would, people would have said, "Well, he he pulled his political card, and so he could close the show." I can tell you, I, I did the payoffs there. I know this to be true. Uh, it wasn't John Laurinaitis doing the payoffs at that time. It was me, even though Vince thought Laurinaitis was doing them more often than not. Uh, Vince asked me one time, "I said, Jr., are you still doing the payoffs?" And I caught me. I said, "Yep." He said, "How come Laurinaitis not do doing?" I said, "Well, I don't know, Vince. You you're the one who hired him. I don't know anything about it." I hired him to be my assistant. I didn't hire him to be my replacement, but he—I was doing the payroll. and I'd send it in, and allegedly he would look it over and make changes. Lorneidas being he, and then do the payroll. I stopped doing all of it because Vince wanted Lorneidas to do his job, and so I don't know how that all worked out. I think that's one of the reasons the Talents were not overwhelmed with him because he had a different philosophy than I on how he d- distributed the funds, paid the payoffs. But it wouldn't have made any. My point I was going to make it didn't make any difference payoff-wise if you went on last or you went on next to last on that show, but egocentrically and for your own, uh, feeling your own self esteem, closing the show was a big deal.
1: It was a big deal. And this is a fun match, but we're not done at the end of this, we would see uh, Vince McMahon come center of the ring and call Pat Patterson out. And he would thank him for his many years of service and Uh, thank him for putting up with his bullshit for so many years. And he would say that Pat never got the credit he deserved and he always did what was best for the company. And then Shane and Stephanie would come in the ring and hug Patterson and give him a tearful goodbye. And then Vince made Pat sing my way over the house, mic, which is of course, Pat Patterson's favorite karaoke song. Mm -hmm. And then they played my way. The original version as Pat Patterson, but very teary-eyed, uh, walks out of the ring and to the back.
0: He did the Willie Lowman walk as McMahon would say, he did, he got the, the sad walk out of the ring and on, on his way back. Pat has always thought he was had been underpaid over the years. And when Pat found out what, what he asked me a time or two, Pat talked about payroll. How you doing the payroll, blah, 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 fine. Busy all the time, whatever. And he was curious what some guys were making. And I, I gave him a general feeling about, I heard he deserved that information. I didn't go specifics, but he got a general idea. Couldn't believe how much money some of these guys were making because he never made that kind of money. Right. Pat was a better worker than anybody I was paying. Okay. A better worker than anybody I was paying on our roster and Hey, and Patterson's heyday, he was a better in ring bell to bell performer than anybody that we had that was currently getting a check that was on that roster at that pay-per-view taboo Tuesday, but he missed out on that deal. Like a lot of guys, that's why a lot of older guys are better. They just were born at the wrong time to get that big money. Can you imagine that? What they some of these guys they knew that, that the WWE all this money from the USA and Fox that they've got talents making seven figures that have never sold uh, out a house. The guys making millions, a million dollars plus, 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 men and women that all claim that they sold a house out. How do you take credit for selling out WrestleMania? The WWE brand sells out WrestleMania. They haven't had a match that sold out WrestleMania in years. It's a collaborative effort. It's a, cute. It's a uh, you know, the ensemble cast thing. But I think Pat always re- regretted the fact that he worked his ass off territories. And the fact that Pat was gay, uh, he had to, you know, he had to live with that shit and keep that hidden. And uh, I just, he had a tough life. And I, I got a lot of love for Pat Patterson. But I think all along, I think Conrad, he always felt, he told me this, that he, he should have made more money, but he didn't know how to ask for it or didn't know what the other guys were making. He kind of kept in the dark on that deal a little bit. So uh, it was a strange time during that era, but I remember that. I remember Pat, the, the joy Pat had in his eyes and the tears that were falling all because of the My Way song. He loved that song, and it had much more meaning. If you can find it on, on YouTube or whatever, you know that he was talking about his life. He did it his way because you can imagine how homophobic most old white wrestlers were back in that era where if you're a gay guy. You had no place in the locker room. And I don't want that. This guy connotated the name, whatever, brown, bad stuff. And Pat lived with that. And Pat became the best worker, one of the best workers in the business period and a great mind because then he became a booker. So all that other stuff about his uh, private life was kind of pushed to the side cause Everybody would would be okay with being, him being gay, as long as he was writing great angles for them and helping them with re- really good finishes. And he and he would. So, Pat had a wonderful run there. He's just he's invaluable. You know, I know he's not. Somebody said that Pat's health is okay. It's not great right now. And again, how many how many chair shots think he got in his or his lifetime? Oh, Hundreds, yeah. dozens, yeah. whatever. Right, right. He said he's 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 challenged a little bit right now, but. Uh, I, I, I think the world of him. He's a, he's a brilliant guy. He and Bill Watts and Eddie Graham were the three smartest guys I ever talked to about wrestling. The, the, the finishes and stuff. Now, the guy Dusty was, had more charisma and did more sizzle, could book more sizzle. Big show stuff. But Watts, Eddie, Graham, and Patterson were the best day-to-day wrestling minds that I personally have worked with. Dusty on the picture was, was probably the best, but day-to-day... Cowboy Pat and Eddie Graham were amazing and Eddie Graham, quite frankly, he had a cowboy cause Eddie taught bill. A lot of stuff and he talked dusty and a lot of guys. So Eddie was really a real, you know, influential in that regard, But Patterson, because he stayed so long in California, kind of out of the spotlight, no media, San Francisco media, uh, he was kind of off the radar, but he was, he's, a, he's amazing talent. One of the great things and I got hired by Vince in 93. Uh, I told cowboy I was going, he said, you're going to love working with Pat Patterson, you're going to learn. It's like going to go school again. You're going to love it. And he was right.
1: Well, and we hope that you love this week's episode. We've got a full slate of shows coming your way. We've already told you a little bit about what we're planning to do in the future, but we'll run through it again, right quick. Now uh, I'm pretty excited about this because we've got buried alive from 1996 next week, which was an interesting concept. The first time we ever buried a wrestler on pay-per-view. Well, with literal dirt, Halloween <laughs> havoc, 1989 is going to come your way on Halloween, uh, as we roll into November, we'll do hashtag ask Anything on the seventh, on the 14th, we're got clash of the champions, nine, the New York knockout. That is I love famous. that. I love
0: that show. Unbelievable and you know why main event? Yeah. What a
1: great main event. The I quit God. match with Ric Flair and Terry Falk. One of the best ever the next week. Well, one of the worst ever survivor series, 1995. And then we'll finish with your old pal, Jerry the King Lawler, on November 28th. Lots of stuff coming your way. If you'd like to participate in the show, man, it's so easy. Just go follow us on social media. It's at JR Grilling. That's at JR Grilling. And don't forget to tell your friends to come check out Grilling JR. This is JR as you've never heard him before. And that was never more evident than today. We'll see you next Thursday and every Thursday. And next week, by God, we'll be on time. Grilling JR <laughs> right here on Westwood One.